0: Did you ever get something that you didn't expect to get? Uh, I can remember something that I got, and it was around this season, but the reason I remember it so clearly is because I expected it. I ruined the surprise. I didn't mean to, but I just happened to open the car trunk and see something that was going to be from mom and dad, and there it was, a pogo ball. Now, you children of the millennium won't understand this reference, but there was a time when children would go outside and play and enjoy. <laughs> and we had this cool thing called, uh, it was some weird invention of the 80s, called a pogo ball. How many of you remember the pogo ball? Okay, it was... A, it was a, <laughs> <laughs> what can only be described as like 80s thinking, let's let children bounce on a ball. It has this kind of rim, it kind of looked like uh, Saturn, the planet Saturn. It's like a giant ball with a ring around it. And you'd step on the ring and, and try not to get a concussion. That was the main, it was lots of fun. Uh, and I really wanted that. And I just happened to open the trunk of a car uh, a few weeks before Christmas and there it was. And I had ruined the surprise. And so I tried to act surprised. I tried to pretend. Uh, but it just wasn't the same. And I loved the gift. But it was it was the element of surprise that made it so good. And so from then on out, I mean, I would have uh, friends at school that they would talk about. They knew uh, where the presents were hid. And, and they would go uh, sneak in and find out what they, and I just, that had no appeal to me at all. Because I knew the value of the unexpected, especially around this time of the year. It's, it's what makes Christmas so good. And that's what we're really talking about in this series that we're calling Unexpected Christmas. Now, as you grow to be an adult, sometimes you get those things, but sometimes they come in good and bad forms. Think about 2017. Did you get something that you didn't quite expect? Something that you didn't quite see coming. Maybe it was an illness. I mean, you started out January 2017 feeling good. Maybe you signed up for the Y or something like that, and you're just feeling very healthy. And then all of a sudden you get you just don't feel right, and you go to the doctor, and, and the dominoes start to fall one at a time. Maybe it was uh, losing a loved one. Maybe this year took someone from you that you didn't expect to lose. Or it could have been an employment situation. You walk into the, the boss's office and you get something you didn't expect. Surprises can be both good and bad. Sometimes we get the good surprises. Uh, maybe you've fallen in love this year. Uh, maybe you've found that special someone. Perhaps you went to Chick fil A and they put one extra sandwich in the bag. That's a blessing from heaven. That's manna right there. Maybe you got a financial windfall. Maybe things are looking really good. Maybe all of your uh, portfolio is looking quite good this time of year. Unexpected. See, it's the, it's the beauty of the Christmas season, but it's also the beauty of the Christmas story. We're going to talk about these unexpected surprises That happened in the story that we know as the Christmas story. In the Bible, it's the birth story of Jesus Christ. And as we said last week, we don't know when that happened, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is that it happened. So uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which is, of course, realizing that we're not in the Gospels. In fact, we're about 700 years before Jesus Christ. In a weird sort of story where a king by the name of Ahaz was facing a terrible thing that he didn't expect. War from two countries. And the prophet Isaiah goes to him and he's to encourage him and he's to give him a message from the Lord. And the message, uh, I'm going to read just a little bit uh, before verse 14. The message is this. To the king of Judah, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, which is a great nickname. Or the fierce anger of resin in Syria and the son of Ramallah, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramallah has devised evil against you. Now, I w- this is such a, a great sermon in itself, I don't have time to get all into it, but you need to know that King Ahaz was facing a terrible choice and had to decide whether or not he was going to go to war and whether or not he'd be able to win that war and what was going to come. It was a totally unexpected surprise. And in the midst of that, here comes the prophet Isaiah saying, don't worry, be quiet, be not afraid. Uh, he goes on to say, do not shake like the trees when the wind comes. And then he offers him a sign. He says, you can ask for a sign. This sign is to confirm the word that I've I've given you today. And this is about verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. God says to him, Ahaz, ask anything you want. Ask anything to, to just, and I'll give it to you, I'll show it to you, I'll make it happen to show you that what I'm saying through Isaiah is true. But Ahaz said, I will not, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, here then, O, is, o, o house of David, is it too little for you to weary men and that you may weary God also? Therefore, this is probably the part you know. Therefore, The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin birth, the idea of it, gives some people some trouble. It causes quite the kerfuffle. I mean, they just, how is this possible? You can't have a, a woman be impregnated other than any other than the normal, natural, logical, makes sense sort of way. And so they read Isaiah and they say, well, the virgin birth. I mean, when he says virgin, well, he doesn't really mean virgin. He just he clearly means something else. So that's clearly wasn't the sign and I know some of you are studying Greek on Wednesday nights. I think Chris Davis is helping with that. I'm going to give you a little Hebrew for that. The Hebrew word for that is malarkey. Some people have trouble with a virgin birth because they say it's illogical, unnatural, improbable, inconceivable, and impossible. And I say to you, isn't that the way in which God works? God works in the illogical, the unnatural, the improbable, the inconceivable, and the impossible all the time. So 700 years ago, when God said, Ahaz asked for a sign. Ahaz said, I don't think so. I'll just believe it. God says, listen, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign, and it will be such an unexpected thing that you'll have to give credit to God. And here's the sign. The virgin will have a child. And his name will be called Emmanuel. God with us, something that wasn't expected. So Isaiah prophesied an unusual sign. We turn over to the book of Matthew. We continue the story in Matthew chapter one, verses 18 and following. Now, the birth of Christ had been had took place in this way when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph and i just want you to keep that word betrothed in your mind because before they came together she was found to be with child th- uh, from the holy spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and willing to put her unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly Is an unusual term. It doesn't really apply in our culture. We, we kind of think, well, they were engaged, but but it's more than that. A betrothal was a legally binding covenant that two people would make, and yet it was had not been consummated by intercourse. They were they were legally bound together. In our culture today, you start out. I don't even know what the what they do now. It's like Insta, Snapchat, talking. I don't know what it is. But there's that special time when you find a special someone and they catch your eye. Okay? Got it? You understand what I'm saying? You kinda like them and they kinda like you. And however you're making that magical dance sort of work. Okay? Now, you, you get serious enough about it that along a certain amount of time, the gentleman will take a knee. And he'll propose a question. And he'll say to her, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And hopefully she'll say yes. Very awkward if she doesn't. Now, in that time when she's wearing a ring, but you're not the gentleman. The gentleman's not wearing the ring, but she is. You're engaged. Now, everybody expects you to get married. Everybody kind of knows that's the direction. That's a common question. Well, how's the wedding planning going? But... It's not you're not bound to it. Some engagements don't work out. Some, for whatever reason, don't last. And it's no big deal if you call it off before the wedding. In Jewish culture, though, is not the, it was not the same thing at all. They had two things. They had the betrothal part, and then they had the marriage. The betrothal. I got this on my notes here. It was called the erison. The erison. The erison was a, a, a legally Binding situation where a man was pledged to be married to a woman. And the only thing that that, uh, uh, was different, uh, there was just that the woman would live in her father's house. There was no consummation of, of, of the covenant. But in every other respect, it was legally binding. And so Joseph's in a tough spot here. Joseph's in a tough spot. Because he's a righteous man. And his betrothed has a baby bump. And he's got to decide what to do. And you, you have to imagine this conversation between Joseph and Mary. I don't know who brought it up. But probably Mary. And she said, Joseph, listen, I've got to tell you something. I gotta, you're not going to understand. I don't even understand it myself. But I, I, I'm pregnant. You're you're what? You're pregnant. What? I mean, instantly his mind is racing because there is only one way that a woman gets pregnant and Joseph knew it was not by him. Maybe he was enraged. He was furious. Maybe he didn't understand. Maybe he was questioning. And Mary, she tried to explain. Just, just, just listen. It's not what you think. I promise it's not what you think. I know it doesn't sound like what you think, but I promise, Joseph, it is not. Now I don't know how he received that conversation. I don't even know how she herself would try to explain that. But what I do know is it took a heavenly intervention to save that marriage. And Joseph fell asleep that night. He for once was held speechless as the angel explained to him that what was happening to him and to her was very unexpected. But it was all a part of God's plan. And so Isaiah, 700 years before it happened, must have been scratching his head saying, how will this be? Fast forward 700 years later, you've got a righteous man who has to explain a situation he can't explain. Justify a situation he does not fully get. And he, like Isaiah, except 700 years later, must be scratching his head and just saying, How will this be? May we understand that the story we take for granted, that the part of it, that we just assume was great and, and okay and, and that it was all... They, they didn't understand what we... We have the benefit of hindsight, of 2020 of looking back and saying, Oh, that's how God was going to do it. But they didn't have that. The prophet didn't. Joseph didn't. None of this made sense. None of it looked godly. None of it looked like it would be the plan of God. And yet, we continue. Mary would deliver an unexpected Savior. Even for those of us who believe, I believe the Bible is very adamant about the story of the virgin birth and how true that is. We think of how wonderful, of a a cool way that God Brought his son into the world in such a miraculous. Illogical, unnatural, impossible way. And that's all great. Virgin birth is wonderful to every other person except maybe the virgin. She is. She never had a baby before. Now. Now. For those of you who have children, remember what it was like with your very first child. I mean, just think about how badly you messed them up. (laughs) Because it was the first time you had no idea what you were doing. Here's the secret. None of us know. We don't. We don't. But the first one is the one we're the hardest on. How many of you are firstborn? Just teen section right here. Firstborn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, truly, the blessing to the family. I'm firstborn, but the parents are so now. In this situation, Mary has not only not had any children for—I mean, she is very likely a teenager. She is, in the Jewish sense, unwed. She, she—we know from the offerings that they gave that she and Joseph were very poor. So she, she's ill prepared. She is not ready for this. Here's a lesson. God does not need you to be able for him to be able. God only needs you to be willing. God doesn't need you to be able. See, we always think about our abilities, our means, how we're going to do it, how we're going to help God. God doesn't need any of that. And this story proves it time and again. He needed them only to be willing. Now, I'm going to have Don Delano read the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And I hope you'll follow along.
1: In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called The Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in their old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
0: It, 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 in all likelihood, Mary did not feel highly favored. She probably felt highly fearful. She for sure felt highly flabbergasted. But my guess is Mary did not feel highly favored. And yet when she had an encounter with a holy servant of God, her response is so beautiful. You have to understand, she she didn't understand it. She didn't feel like what was being said was true. She didn't get it. She didn't even know how to explain it. And yet, here is what she says. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What a powerful, beautiful, humbling statement of this young teenage virgin who doesn't have an idea in the world of what God has in store for her. And how God is going to use her to bless this cool, cool story. But I just, I just want to remind us, remember Mary says, may it be, let it be to me according to your word, is so much like her son's response 33 years later when on a dark night he kneels in the garden and calls out to his father in heaven, And says, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Mary passed on a cool legacy of Jesus to say, Jesus, you can trust God. You you may not always understand where he's going to lead you. You may certainly not understand how he's going to get you there. But you can always trust your Father. This is so beautiful and so powerful. Mary surrendered her feelings, her intellect, and her will to the Lord, so that her body would be able to deliver deliverance. And she had to let that. She had to, she had to give up every feeling, every thought, every Decision within her completely to God. Romans 8.28 tells us this. We know that in all things, be it an old prophet who doesn't understand, an old Jewish carpenter who cannot explain his new bride, or a young virgin We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to. You're you're tuning me out here, but I need to slow back down. Let me back up, and are called according to His purpose. I know you have your purpose. I know you have your dreams. I know you had your thoughts. Joseph did. Mary did. The prophet did. They all had their plans. Their dreams. And what the story here tells us is that many times we're called to lay those aside and say, not what I will, but yours. May it be according to your word. May we just imagine what it was like for them as Mary would deliver an unexpected Savior. Can you just imagine for just a second what this poor, teenage, unwed girl would endure? Plans interrupted. Judgmental glances and whispers. The inability to explain. Even to those very closest in the world to her. The judgment as that bump grew bigger and bigger. The anger... And even years later, the agony of watching that blessed son be cruelly crucified on a cross. And so 20 years ago, 20 years ago, (laughs) 20 centuries ago, a poor teenage virgin named Mary, not understanding what would happen, nor why God chose her, while staring at her ever-growing bump scratching her head and wondering, how will this be? May we, like her, obey the Lord, whether we like it or not. May we surrender to the glory of God, whether we understand it or not. None of them fully understood what God was doing. And it's a lesson for all of us. We may not know how, but we do know the why. Most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, But I want to read the most famous one plus the verse right after it. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Through Him, Our greatest motive, said Tim Keller, for surrendering to him cannot be what he will do in us, but to love him for what he has done for us. You can't look at the prophet. You can't look at Joseph. You can't look at the Virgin Mary and not truly walk away and understand truly the Lord loves us deeply, even if we don't fully understand it. Even if we don't always get it. And God's still working in the same way in our lives today. Maybe you've got something you didn't expect this year. May I gently and humbly remind you this morning that God often uses the unexpected things to do unexpected, amazing works through His people. Maybe God is setting you up to be part of something so far beyond your ability to understand. He couldn't even explain it to you if he tried. I don't know where you are this morning, but if you need the Lamb of God, if you have not yet chosen to follow him all the way, I want to call you to do that this morning. And if you've just lost your way, you've lost your hope, and maybe you've forgotten what God has done, for you. Let us pray with you. Let us encourage you. Let our elders wrap their arms of love around you and just try to help you draw near to the presence of God. Whatever your need might be this morning, I want to invite you to come as together we stand and sing.